Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Season 5 of the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom, where we talk with enterprise and technology platform leaders about the people, processes, and platforms that make marketing and customer experience successful, scalable, and sustainable. This is what creates an Agile brand. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom, advisor and consultant for Fortune 1000 marketing and CX leaders and teams as principal and chief strategist at GK5A and best-selling author, keynote speaker, entrepreneur, and Agile certified coach. The Agile Brand Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to teksystems.com. To sign up for the Agile Brand newsletter and get the latest insights and articles on marketing technology and CX, or to purchase a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, go to gregkillstrom.com. You can also find all my books on Amazon and other retailers. And now on to the show. I'm excited to introduce part one of a special series about how organizations can streamline business processes, increase workflow efficiency, and mitigate risk with hyper-automation. This series is brought to you by Tech Systems, a global provider of business and technology solutions. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome John Barton, a director at Tech Systems. Uh, John, why don't we uh, first? Why don't we get started with you telling a little bit about your background and what you do at Tech Systems? Sure. Yeah. So my background, I've been with Tech Systems for coming up on a decade now. Uh, specialized in the applications innovation space. My primary focus is helping uh, our sales teams understand a little bit more about what's going on in the industry, uh, what our customers are doing with software in their environments to help them automate, modernize their applications, and really kind of transform and become more agile uh, to be more responsive to the marketplace and to their customers. Great, great. Well, yeah, let's let's dive in here and get started. So we're in an economic climate where every company is looking for ways to improve efficiency and productivity throughout the enterprise. What's, what's the role that automation can play here? Automation plays a huge role in trying to drive efficiency and productivity. Many organizations lean on automation to streamline processes, to uh, decrease the manual workload needed from analysts and, and lower level workers by implementing software that's able to do significantly more work in a fraction of the time and being able to scale that kind of both vertically and horizontally 
to take on more workloads and, and really just kind of drive efficiency, kind of tightening things up with a shift left mindset, introducing automation into a lot of their processes, uh, especially in the software development space, helping them get more done more effectively and faster. So for these organizations that are looking to increase the role that automation can play, you, you touched on this a little bit, but you know, what, what are some of the ben- business benefits that adopting an automation strategy uh, can provide? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I think one of the biggest business benefits is when you invest in an automation strategy, uh, something that you can implement on your own a, a automation framework that's able to take on uh, the unique and and kind of domain-specific challenges of your organization. What it enables for you is you're able to then maintain that automation framework and use that, leverage that framework to do tasks that used to take multiple, multiple people, dozens of people or teams of people to get done before. One example I like to think about is there's a a software company here in San Diego who used to have seasonal hiring for a couple of big peak periods uh, through the year, a big retailer here. And for those peak periods, they would have to hire literally hundreds of testers to come in and do work for them at great expense. I mean, the, the time needed to be able to hire all those people the training period for all those people, and then the just the sheer cost of labor uh, for all those people. Yeah. Fast forward to post their automation framework, they were able to have a year-round automation framework that allowed them to just get better code hygiene, better uh, test coverage with a enduring team of just a few testers uh, or software engineers and tests rather uh, instead of needing to hire literally hundreds of people. Yeah, yeah. So definitely definitely a lot of benefits there. And I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of organizations that are, you know, a lot of the companies I talk with, they're they're in the process of, of automating more things. And certainly there's others that are going down that path as well. But what should some of those organizations be aware of as far as, you know, what are some of the pitfalls or maybe areas where organizations get stuck when they're trying to automate? Yeah, a real common one is believing that a tool, some sort of commercial off-the-shelf product is going to be able to do it all for you. Yeah. Now, that, that's not to say that some tooling is very effective for what you need it to do, but for the most part, if you're building custom solutions, if you're building custom software in your organization, at some point, the off-the-shelf solution is not going to be robust enough to handle everything you needed to do for you. So this is a common kind of growing pain I've seen over and over again at a lot of companies believing that they're going to be able to purchase a solution and just kind of, you know, use almost record and playback features and things like that to to get their test uh, automated. It just doesn't work out in the long run. There's too many edge and corner cases and custom solutions that those tools just never account for. Yeah. That That's a big one. Another one is thinking that, oh, we can just have a, a 
couple of software engineers own this for us. The the gap there is you really need somebody with a quality mindset. If it's test automation specifically, or if it's DevOps, you need somebody with kind of that knowledge of the underlying systems and network architecture and principles to really be effective in that space. A, a quote I, I heard once that I really like that kind of speaks to this is, you never want to hire anybody to automate something they couldn't do manually. Mm. And that's a, a big gap that a lot of companies uh, learn about the hard way, even though they're they're putting very talented software engineers on the problem, the problem just has too many nuances, too many gotchas for uh, somebody who's not an expert in that field, whether that's QA or DevOps or something similar, to, to really be effective in the way that somebody with that background can be. Yeah, yeah. And follow up to that, um, it, it sounds to me like a couple of things there. I mean, one is there's there's rarely a software product just off the shelf that solves the the nuances of of a complex enterprise and i know tech systems works with a lot of the fortune 500 and, and things like that so certainly a lot of nuances it also sounds like it's the classic people process platform thing where you know platform can solve a lot but it can't solve everything would you say that's true yeah that's a pretty good way to sum it up before we continue let's take a quick break if you're like many marketing leaders today, you're inundated with a need to improve the customer experience across an increasing number of channels and touch points, all while ensuring your team is performing well, innovating, and continuously improving. So how do you find the time to determine what's next for you, your team, your brand, and your customers? My company, GK5A, can help. Whether it is advisory services, evaluation of marketing technology platforms and solutions, or digital agencies and implementation partners, or assistance with creating strategic roadmaps and prioritization of efforts. We've done it all and served as an ally to Fortune 1000 brands and industries like financial services, healthcare, consumer electronics, professional services, and more. You can learn more about these services and contact us at www.gk5a. That's www.gk5a.com. Now let's get back to the show. So, um, Anyone who's following automation and a, a lot of the trends in the in the space here has probably heard of the term hyper automation here. But for those a little bit less familiar, um, how would you define hyper automation, and you know what is its significance in today's business landscape? Hyper automation, put as simply as I can put it, is the automation of automation. That's that's really kind of the most common phrasing I hear from customers that I work with up and down the West Coast and and across uh, you know the plains and, and Midwest is we're automating our automation and the value there is once you have an effective framework kind of abstracting that or, or taking a step back from that to be able to automate how that operates the efficiencies gained the productivity gained are off the charts. The significance is that, you know, for companies that are effectively harnessing this strategy, they can get so far so fast that it genuinely changes the roles of their people and frees them up to work on significantly more strategic work. 
there's a story of a company here in San Diego that I, I worked with for quite a few years. Well, when they first endeavored to start automating their tests for a very public facing software product, the team that was first brought on to, to start working on it was tasked with trying to automate a few thousand pages of this application in their first year on, on the job. And by leveraging hyper automation, building an effective framework first that could automate each and every page with a page object model framework, and then automating how that automation framework was actually uh, used, they got to a place where instead of automating a few thousand pages in their first year, they automated 50,000 pages of this application in their first year wow. because they were able to start taking the efficiencies of the first framework and expanding on them, kind of taking them to the next level almost exponentially by automating that first framework. So really, really powerful gains in efficiency. A company went from needing to hire, uh, I believe it was 600 manual testers every season that they they had a go live to being able to run that team pretty effectively uh, with just you know about a dozen people on it at first and then that expanded into uh, being able to get unbelievable test coverage with very uh, specific coverage of all the edge and corner cases and things like that so really powerful story there so I know we've been talking about automation, but uh, you've also mentioned DevOps and how it plays a role in, in all of this. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about how DevOps fits into this ecosystem? Absolutely. So automation of, of tests, it was really kind of a lot of companies first foray into automation and, and then hyper automation. And DevOps plays a significant role in that by really being kind of the foundation or the pipeline by which those softwares that they are creating to test get deployed and, and you know, go live. Once the, the company started seeing success with test automation, just kind of natural ability or natural uh, curiosity of what else could we automate kind of led them to, well, what about our deployment strategy and, and really our kind of DevOps platform? And so DevOps fits into this both as an enabler and as a target of these hyper-automation strategies. So one of the things that we, we see, again, very similar to the test automation world is in the DevOps automation world, there was a period of time where there was a lot of emphasis on tooling, being able to go buy certain products uh, right off the shelf and, and implementing into the environment. And then, you know, going a layer deeper, starting to orchestrate and connect those tools, and then going a layer deeper, getting to a point where the number of human interventions to get software from the beginning of the pipeline to the end of the pipeline was as, as close to zero as possible, very minimal, one, one click or one button deployment. And what ended up happening is as they got closer and closer to that you know, kind of one button or one click deployment scenario, there ended up being kind of a, well, let's go back to the top and an iteration on that strategy to then go find a way to rip out those tools that they bought at the beginning and replace them with 
homegrown or you know hand rolled software from inside the environment. So we we see that life cycle or that kind of evolution happen on a much faster timeline and time scale than what we typically saw test automation get adopted by companies because there were so many lessons learned from the test automation endeavors that they then applied and, and made their DevOps automation so much more robust, so much faster. Yeah, yeah. So you've talked through um, and given some great advice and, and insights on automation and, and DevOps already, but I wonder, you know, do you, what are what are some tips or best practices you have for organizations to consider when they're when they're considering adopting and, and scaling automation tools? I think the things to consider is, you know, treat it like you would treat any other software project. You know, evaluate what are the things that it makes sense to focus on first. Tackle the the things, the low-hanging fruit first. Uh, tackle the things that are going to be static. Tackle the things that make sense to automate because they're not going to change a lot. One of the pitfalls of, uh, some companies is they they want to try to automate everything right away, and that's not necessarily the best strategy. So it makes sense to start with baby steps, take on the low hanging fruit first, and then as you develop a layered framework and and can start building upon a, a solid foundation, then you'll start to gain the efficiencies and build the appropriate libraries at the appropriate times to really start to have a a, a more robust framework that you can lean on and really extend as your applications and your frameworks and your technology footprint continues to grow. You won't have to reinvent the wheel with your automation strategy. You'll be able to take that and, and grow with your applications. Yeah. Yeah. That's great, great advice there. Well, any uh, parting thoughts or anything else we haven't had a chance to cover in this discussion about hyper automation? Yeah, I think one of the more exciting things to to see on the horizon here will be how are some of these new AI technologies going to be leveraged for automation? You know, being able to point some of these AI tools at uh, your application and kind of, you know, have that very quickly, very rapidly uh, at scale, be able to kind of click through and keep up with all the permutations that your application will have as it tries different routes, different combinations of clicks and entries on your application, whether that's just even just happy path testing, or if it's able to be leveraged for negative testing as well. I, I think there'll be some really interesting developments in how AI is kind of taking automation to the next level in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely a lot of exciting, uh, exciting stuff happening in the AI space for sure. Well, this has been a great conversation, John. I appreciate you sharing your perspective. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. Thanks again. And you can learn more about Tech Systems and their perspective at techsystems.com. Thanks again for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.gregkilstrom.com. That's G-R-E-G-K-I-H-L-S-T-R-O-M.com. 
To get a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, visit my website or you can find it on Amazon or other retailers. The Agile brand is produced by Missing Link, a Latina-owned, strategy-driven, creatively-fueled production co-op. From ideation to creation, they craft human connections through intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Until next time, stay agile.